Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast with myself, Jamie, and my brother Bobby. How are you doing, Bob? Good evening, Jamie. I'm uh, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. There's obviously some crazy stuff going on in the world at the moment, so we hope that everyone's safe. I imagine a few people are probably listening from the comfort of their sofa or their bed rather than their cars that they might have been doing or their headphones. So uh, just love um, out to everyone. Uh, I hope this is, you know, killing some time for you and uh, keeping you a little bit more sane during some of this isolation that everyone's going through. Definitely going to be plenty of uh, Only Fools and Horses rewatching going on in the general populace over these uh, coming weeks. Yeah, definitely. And if you just joined us, um, then you've got, you know, good old 15 episodes to catch up on, both our podcast and Only Fools. So, you know, that'll kill a bit of time before you get involved. There's a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But focusing on the point at hand, so uh, Series 3, we're looking at Wanted this week. How was your uh, initial thoughts on the episode, Bob? Um, Yeah, it was a good one. It's another one of those that I knew had some... I don't know, kind of negativity to it, like uh, kind of had some sort of dark uh, plot lines. So that that kind of brings an interesting element because you wonder about how maybe that's going to be perceived differently by me that now I'm kind of older than when I first watched them and obviously the world is different. So I was very intrigued to see how that would all kind of come out in the wash. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. it was, uh, I'm, I'm keen to get into it. I probably didn't notice anything too different, but I'm sure that you might have picked on some stuff that I haven't. But there's certainly some very well-remembered moments of this episode. Um, so let's get straight back into it then, if it's wanted. Stick a pony in me I'll fetch the suitcase from the van. So we open in the Nag Z with Mickey Pierce and Rodney uh, leaning up against the bar. Uh, checking out a couple of uh, likely ladies in the distance that, w- that we never see, which I think is integral to this whole kind of bit working. And um, th- that's what this opening bit is. It's it's a nice, fun kind of comedy bit as the two of them like discuss how they might approach these two ladies in a bar when they're both, well, for lack of a better word, fairly useless. I thought it was quite an interesting dynamic, actually. We, we obviously get a lot of... Uh, stuff between Rodney and Dell, and there's just a big age gap there, so it kind of feels a little bit older and more mature, I guess. But this felt like a very sort of young scene. You've got both Mickey and and Rodney there, you know, looking to chirps the ladies, and you kind of are getting a bit more of a sense of uh, of Rodney's youth here, which I thought was quite good to see. We haven't really seen a lot of that yet. No, this is true. This is the first time we've seen just that sort of thing. It's uh, yeah a very good way of looking at it it is a very fun immature conversation going on between the two of them and uh, with the two of their best brains put together they eventually come up with the perfect greeting which is Mickey shouting at them from from across the bar (laughs) yeah it's not it's not a great line Um, but it gets their attention enough for them to you know get some sort of invitation over and stand up and start walking possibly when they stand up they both look very very pleased with themselves they're like sort of tying up their tie and sort of shuffling their shoulders and fixing their jacket it's 
I'm curious to see what they maybe would have done, whether they've actually been kind of beckoned over like with a finger or whether it's just uh, not a complete look of disgust. Yeah, just a little smile. But we get pretty familiar scene as Dell barges in. What's it, Rogers? All right, Michael, my son? Essentially slags off the girls. Who are you two after? Oh, not the gruesome twosome, mate. Eh? <laughs> all right. I mean, all right. But they're so ugly, they even look alike. <laughs> Del, they happen to be two sisters. Oh, sisters. Yeah. Huh. Wait, girls. Seen much of Cinderella since the wedding? <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> completely cock blocks them both um, and yeah it's pretty harsh they, they instantly just realise that the game's over it, it is really cruel it does but that that this joke only works because you haven't really seen the girls I feel like this is similar to what he did back in A Christmas Cracker where he basically insulted girls for being ugly and there I think I remember saying at the time it seemed a bit kind of cruel and unnecessary we're here because you never see them and it, they're just like some uh, hypothetical person then when he makes a reference to them being ugly sisters then it's just kind of harmless funny and you can just really like laugh and take his side for just how stupid Rodney and, and you're then laughing at Rodney and Mickey as opposed to thinking about the girls uh, so it's very well put together I'm surprised with you being such a sensitive so and so that you think that it's uh, <laughs> not not un PC to uh to refer to women as ugly sisters, regardless of whether they're present or not. Well, I, th- I, th- I think there's nothing, you know, pe- pe- there are people that are more attractive than other people, and people go around pointing it out. That's a thing that happens and exists. There's no getting away from it. But there's no need to actually point at someone and go, ah, you're ugly. And that's not what they do here. They do it kind of... That you're, that's exactly what, what they'll does. No, they'll no, literally... You don't see the people, though. You don't see the people, and no no one's pointing a finger. That doesn't mean that it's fine. You're still no, it's not great. <laughs> but that's fine if, if you're if you're not being sensitive I'm definitely going to go along with that it's fine no problem I think uh, I think what he does is not it doesn't show Dell very well but it's kind of comes across as like a because it's such a clear comedy skit then it's just a joke and you're laughing at Mickey and Rodney and so it's all good and gravy so my my kind of wokeness is satisfied <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, we 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 don't need to take anything too seriously. It's just a joke, and it's all in. It's everything's hypothetical, not just the girls. I mean, it's, it's not even a real series. So, you know, if you're trying to say PC, it would be very unfunny. I mean, some of the rudest, <laughs> most vulgar and unPC comedians are definitely one of my favourites because it's, you know, it's misdirection, it's humour, comedy. I think comedy should be uncensored, and comedy is everything. You know, unfortunately, someone's always going to get offended. So I, I kind of can't really get too offended at anything that happens, you know, in the series, let alone the greater sort of comedy scene. No, I think I, I definitely come from the uh, Ricky Gervais school of comedy thinking, which is like context is key, and you there is nothing you can't take the piss out of if it's done in the right way and at the right time. But context is everything, and the context here is bang on the way and the way it's put together the way you don't see them i think i think it's very well nicely put together scene and a lot of fun so that scene closes off and we fade on to rodney taking a little wander down the street and he comes across a uh, bit of a trollop i think we've used that <laughs> that that word before but definitely a bit of a interesting character And I mean, it's clear that she is ratted. 
Yeah. Uh, Ron even mentions early, later that, you know, she stunk of booze. And uh, what what ensues very quickly is um, he tries to steady her and she starts going a bit mad that he touched her. You touched me. Hey? I've read about your sort. Well, hold on. I was just trying to stop you from falling flat on your face. I'll have the police on you. You touched me. And if I knew that she was drunk as a skunk, I just wouldn't care. I'd be like, all right, love, whatever. I mean, see ya. I'm off. I'm only trying to help you. But he's obviously also been very sensitive and come up with a stupid line to say he's a doctor. No, no, it's, it's, it's all right, because um, I'm, I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah, the saying he's a doctor bit here is really what does him in. So the whole scene is is very... I like the little intro between them because she looks like someone who's, you know, drunk on a corner and maybe you get maybe you wouldn't think anything of it if they were like ten years, twenty years younger. But it's kind of like like the way she's dressed and her makeup and everything like that. Like you said, trollop is kind of the only word. And he points out that the buses haven't run there for about ten years. So um, I I kind of put it as she's lost a decade. She basically still thinks she's out probably partying and battered and dressed up to the nines and obviously completely crazy. Uh, but yeah, as soon as he says he's a doctor, that becomes a bit... He's got himself in unnecessarily murky waters. Yeah, it almost becomes like a fault of his own that he's kind of in that situation now because that, that's just taking it a step too far. But anyway, she starts screaming... Well, he tells her to say "ah," which was an error he should have seen coming. Not a doctor. I am. I am really. All right, say "ah." Ah! Bloody hell! (laughs) (laughs) But after the encounter, Ronnie decides to basically peg it and just uh, hot foots it uh, away from the problem. It's fair. He, I, I really like how he says, "I'm going to go get my and mimes a stethoscope," but then says thermometer because he's obviously forgotten the word for the stethoscope. So I quite enjoyed that a little bit. Yeah, he runs away, and the shout, and she's just shouting after him, "Rape and help!" And I was thinking to myself, like, how much would that affect you? Like you said, at first you would definitely just, you know, ignore her. She's obviously crazy, drunk, batty old woman, but. When you've ended up having a bit of an exchange and someone's literally screaming rape at you as you run away, well, as you are leaving the scene, that would be pretty scary. I don't know how I'd feel in that situation. Yeah, I mean, anyone that's got, you know, a conscience or their morals in the right place are going to be, they're going to be affected. Like, it's, it's, if anyone's, the, the fact that someone can believe that of you, regardless of the fact that they're drunk or not, is something that would play on your mind and it would be completely shit especially if you are essentially entirely innocent bar referring to yourself as a doctor he (laughs) is innocent yeah of course yeah it's a tough one for you and obviously as we've said many times Rodney is not very familiar with the ways of the world he is very innocent and it's not a big surprise that he's been affected so much and I think if something similar had happened to me at maybe 18 maybe I would have also been like very uh, affected by the encounter yeah, you'd be super nervous to go out and about like in your local town because you don't know what the story is. And if you've seen that person again, I mean, imagine if you're out with your mates and you see the person who accused you of rape, drunk yeah. or not, like, just casually shouts really rape at you. Play that gamble. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <clears throat> but we cut off to uh, the next scene in the flat. Um, Grandad slaps down a pretty horrific charcoal-looking breakfast, not like the nice fresh one we saw from from last series. And Dale quite rightly decides that he's not really up for it. Um, Dale and Grandad are talking about Rodney coming home and acting quite weird. Um, and and you know Dale's trying to dismiss it as nothing special, but but Grandad's pretty convinced that there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, very astute of old Grandad here. Uh... Clearly knows something's up. I did want to point out one little thing I noticed in this little exchange, which is not very often people use a teapot as much anymore, and I really respected that they use a teapot. I feel like I don't use teapots enough in my life, and I expect I do, I do love a do love a teapot because yeah, everyone always makes tea in the cup now, which is you know a shame. The good old teapot, you get a much better brew in a teapot. Uh, but I think did, if you, I think if you're sit, sitting down or multiple people, then. It does happen, but it's almost like a high tea sort of thing. You need yeah. to be proper chillaxed. And, it's seen as fancy, yeah. right? And there is these guys in a flat, just the two or three of them, and they bothered to make a teapot. And it's like, good on you, lads. Well done. Uh, I think I think everyone was making tea in teapots, though, up until five or ten years ago. Well, exactly, It's yeah. not as though they'd done anything special. It would be weird to go the other way. Yeah, it's a shame. We've uh, we've lost we've lost that little part. Did you, I assume you noticed uh, how Grandad knocks it as he's uh, taking away the plate, and they just kind of carry on and ignore it. And it's obviously definitely... No, I didn't cabin. notice that. Yeah, so as Grandad takes away the breakfast that Dell says he doesn't want, he knocks the teapot, and there's like a clang, and ro- and Dell even goes, oh, whoops. Whoops. But they just kind of oh, yeah. carry on, uh, which I thought was very good, because there was obviously no way that was planned, but they're just... Uh, I think that kind of thing is more common when you're doing it in front of a studio audience because you're more inclined to want to keep the flow where I think if that was done on a stage you would of course just take it again but they're they're keen to kind of keep the momentum so little bits like that stay in yeah I, did, I just had a quick look at that while you were talking actually it is like sort of nicely improv by David Jason who just you know bats it off with a mm. little oh indeed yeah not bad at all um well uh, granddad Slaps down the breakfast back in Rodney's place, tells him that his breakfast is ready, and Rodney enters with some really good makeup. Mm. Um, it's super subtle, like you can't really tell anything, but he's just got enough dark under his eyes that he looks like he's not had any sleep and that he's, you know, he's been affected, as we said. He's, yeah. he's just looking a bit wired and a bit bit, bit, bit of a horror weird. show really i mean it looks like he's just yeah like he's staying up stayed up late watching some unpleasant films <laughs> and there's almost a little hint of and this was a bit weird i thought there was almost a bit of hint of a beard or like a mustache like there's like dark around their face but that was a bit odd because it's only been overnight but i kind of felt like there was something there but i wasn't sure if that was just the lighting or makeup or if that was meant to be like Deliberately, they've made him have a bit of a beard for this scene, just so it makes him look a bit more dishevelled. I think it's probably makeup, isn't it? It's probably a little bit of a five o'clock shadow that they've put on mm. just to make it look unshaved and and add a bit more of that rough look. But again, really subtle, not overdone at all, which is which is really nice. Because if you are the best, but you don't ask questions, then brother, I'm your man. So Rodney begins to. Uh, tell the story of what happened in his own way. Uh, interesting, we've pointed this out before in other episodes, how when Grandad asked him, what were they shouting? Shouting things. What kind of things? 
Oh, things like, um, <laughs> rape. <laughs> you know, sort of thing, and suddenly Delboy and Grandad are really concerned and come over closely and understand that this is a serious situation. And the audience are in bloody hysterics. They think it's hilarious. And it's uh, it's very... I don't know, there's something very odd about that. They somehow control the audience really well in this show. I think it's just the delivery of the line, because it's really underhanded and underplayed, but it's obviously quite intense. So it's like, you know, rape, like very kind of... Uh, it's a very chilled way to talk about something yeah, was, very serious. It was a fun delivery, but even still, I get the feeling that that wouldn't. That's not always going to be the. Rea- you're not always going to get that reaction. But it's impressive how they do seem to always get the reaction they'd like to kind of keep the mood light. Mm. And Del, Del's put on at the moment. Uh, at the moment, as far as we know, the 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 audience and ourselves are you know, unenlightened about the fact that Dave Del has mentioned the police were out and about. That it was nothing to actually do with that, but obviously that the police are about. Um, so there's sort of some added tension there that, mm. that Rodney's definitely feeling. Uh, Dell does do the little, the Big Brother thing and sort of say if anyone's threatened him, we'll go and sort them out before they head down to the market. Like, not even without yeah. a blink. It's like if this is a problem, we can get it sorted now before breakfast. Like that's this yeah, is yeah, yeah. first on the list. Who's threatened Rodney? I'll go knock him out. Then down the market and flog some gear. I really like that from Dell. Um. After Rodney's sort of gone into a bit of the story, Grandad asks him what uh, what she looked like. And we get a nice good camera shot here. Dell's in the foreground and we see him lighting up the cigar uh, as Rodney's sort of out of focus uh, descript- uh, describing some of the the looks of this girl. And, and Dell's just got this little cheeky smile on um, and slowly coming to the realisation that he probably knows who it is. And it, it comes to a head when... Rodney says that she's wearing an identity bracelet that says Blossom. And as he says it, we watch David Jason lip the words. Mm. And that's a really, really good moment. I th- I really like these sort of out-of-the-box thinking jokes, I guess. Like, it's it's a physical way to do it. And the directing of that and the shots that happen and so on is, is really unique. And it's a very different kind of uh, comedy as you wear. It's, it's, it's clever. It's... Um, inventive i think yeah the, this show is very good at doing that like for for a show that is just you know studio audience very simple you know stage like layouts 90 percent of the time every now and then they do something really clever with the with the camera work and stuff and yeah i thought this was a brilliantly put together scene with rodney looking you know white and like you say out of focus describing this horrible tale and just having dell in the foreground chuckling away uh, was was very well put together. I I really enjoyed the way they did that. It's kind of hard for me morally morally here, uh, knowing what was about to unfold. My initial reaction was that that Dell was being pretty harsh to decide to capitalise on this and and really go for a quite a big and serious joke. But then I instantly flipped and I was like, well, you know, he believes that there's going to be no real harm coming from it. He obviously isn't expecting anything that is going to happen to happen. And I was like, oh, you know, you can kind of be probably given the benefit of the doubt. And then he says... It's the others what worry me. What others? Well, last night there were mobs of vigilantes roaming the streets and they were saying <laughs> things like, lynch him, lynch him. Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? 
and I was like, he's probably gone a bit too far again now. Well, this, this whole thing is kind of a bit up and down in sort of how dark it is in places. I mean, Grandad points out quite early that Rodney still has a two-year suspended sentence. So, like, this is mm. genuinely serious shit that he won't be taken very seriously. And, uh, yeah, Dell is just winding him up and saying these horrible things. And then Nick Lindhurst kind of has his Oscar moment, which I thought was really, really good, where he talks about what would happen to him in prison. And he looks genuinely horrified, and it's definitely some of the best, like for what is meant to be serious acting that he does in the show. And it's really deep. And then it's just capped off beautifully with a legendary line from Leonard Pierce. Everywhere I went, the walls would be whispering, Beast. Beast. There'd be posses of them waiting for me in the shower room. There'd be razors in me soap. There'd be broken glass in me porridge. How you'll soon learn to adapt, right? Rodney's Oscar-y moment is, uh, again, comes to a bit of a pinnacle when he is almost kind of in tears, squealing, standing up, um, saying something like, I'm innocent or only trying to help or something like yeah, that, yeah. along that line. And at that moment, I thought, probably a good point to end the joke right now. Like, he's clearly properly messed up by this. The, the joke should have never gone beyond that room. I mean, that's what no. you, you asked about the moral implications of it. I think making the joke was kind of too good an opportunity not to. But when it got so bad, and like the lynching and the prison, and you know, seeing how he's reacted, it it should have stopped right there. The fact that he was going to carry this on into like the next day or whatever is just insane. <laughs> that was clearly taking it way too far. Yeah, and it, I mean, Della even says it. You know, Rodney walks out of the room and. Just this whole sort of two minutes here of David Jason laughing about <laughs> about everything that he's planning to do and has done is very funny. It's really genuine laughter, proper belly laughter, and you can't help but laugh at it. <laughs> Leave it out, Grandad. All he's done is just bumped into Blossom, that's all. Yeah, it's got to be hard to do, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's hard to do that and come across quite genuine. Um, but, you know, as an actor, it's not it's not something that hard to do. But he says to Grandad he's going to go go hard. He's going to proper wind him up about it. And Grandad tells a brilliant story about how Del often goes too far. You want to be a bit careful, Del boy. A joke's a joke, but you never know when to stop. What about that April Fool's Day? You told me the pools had rung to say I'd won half a million. <laughs> yeah, that was a belt Oh, wonderful. But you could at least have stopped me going up west with me pension money. <laughs> oh, it wasn't funny, Del. I mean, there was I in a Soho nightclub drinking champagne with a bird called Camilla, and I suddenly realised I didn't even do the bloody pool. <laughs> There's something that I absolutely loved, and that is picturing Grandad basically at the age he is now, at a, in a Soho nightclub with a bottle of champagne and a girl on his arm, suddenly having that epiphany. It's just oh, that's picturing so him good. in a club is just amazing. There isn't. Oh, do you ever? Is, you is never it? even see him in the pub, apart from oh yeah, okay, you do in the um, uh, Diamonds of a Heather. You see him in the pub. Apart from that, I'm not even sure you ever even see him in the pub. 
let alone a Soho nightclub. Yeah, not so much. I was wondering if you ever see him with some girls. I kind of had this feeling that I'd seen them with like a girl on each arm, but either that was just my mind dreaming it up, or it was Uncle Albert, or maybe it never happened. I but I don't know. Dreaming. Maybe maybe it's just this scene, and I'm just <laughs> yeah. putting a visualization to it because he's talking about it. But yeah, granddad, cigar in his mouth, bottle of champagne, girl on each arm in a club. I mean, uh, might have to get that. Was it Jim will paint it guy to do a little painting of that? <laughs> that that would be a great. You used to do some of those sort of things. You could give it a bash. Yeah, I couldn't do it on paint there. That guy goes crazy. But I, I could definitely do a little mock-up. I could just Photoshop it. That's fine. I'll do a little Photoshop. I remember you doing some paint artistry like 20 years... No, maybe not like 15 years ago. You went through a weird phase. I used to do screen grabs of Sega games and a Sega emulator and then edit them because the pixelation was already there. And I used to do some of that stuff. But uh, if, I, if I had un, untold time... Um, which who knows what might happen I was going to say forwards, mate, we're maybe. in lockdown in case you didn't notice <laughs> yeah um, not quite at this stage yet here but I'm still working at the moment but uh, if not I might do some episode art and do some crazy photoshopping like a photoshop of granddad with a scar in his mouth with two girls on each side, I think that would be quite a funny image if you get a spare afternoon that is a good way to spend it Back in the Nag Z now, there's uh, Del Boy telling the story to Trigger and Boise, just reminiscing again, and you know you've done bad when Trigger is taking the piss out of you and calling you <laughs> stupid. You, you know you've really messed up. Is this when he asks Boise about the second-hand cars? Uh, no, like just when he's saying that, you know, how could Rodney fall for that? I thought everyone knew what she was like. Like, he's you oh, know, calling yeah. Rodney stupid, and you're thinking, well, that's Dan Rodney. Yeah, the one he get that little joke he gets in on Boise is quality. Yeah, he does then burn Boise. That was really, really good. Yeah. There are like moments of trigger that's really astute, even when he's being quite stupid. Yeah. Every now and then he comes up with an absolute winner. Top form trigger, that. Bit of a bit of casual uh, electroshock treatment humor here as well. <laughs> <laughs> I do love their ability to make some jokes about some really brutal subjects. <laughs> this is right up there. After a bit of banter between them all, uh, the bar lady has... Uh, what was her name? Do we get her name? Joyce? No, Joyce is the old one. No, I don't think we do. I think he just says darling. But she... she, she uh, I'm pretty sure she's in a few episodes this actually. Yeah, she's in most um, of the series. In fact, she was in the last series as well, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because she's in the one... Uh, she talk, She gets her... Is it her dad or her uncle or something? Gets one of the Camelair overcoats. Oh, yeah, I can yeah, picture yeah. her talking right. to Dell about that. Uh, Karen, the barmaid, apparently, but whether we actually oh, ever okay. hear her called that or whether that's just a name given to her by the internet, I'm not sure. That's what IMDb yeah. says. She does, well, she does well, nice nice and effortless performance from her always. Yeah, she just seems really normal, which is just exactly what she should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's good. But she got a phone call for Dell and it's Grandad, and Grandad is telling Dell that, that Rodney's scarpered and taking all the tin food away. And he returns to the table where Trigg and Boise are, and there's obviously a bit of a realisation that he's probably taking this all a bit far. Yeah, I mean, just... Again, it's... it's Rod- Rodney's done this before, back in Big Brother. Like, 
he's gone on the run, as, as Tell says, and it's just the most childish thing. But this time it is a bit more understandable. Yeah, it's kind of, Dell brought this all on himself. I mean, when Grandad says, you know, you should have told him before, instead you're playing your Johnny Cash album, the one that he does yeah. live from the prison, which, by the way, is an outstanding album, if people haven't heard yeah, it. Yeah, it is yeah. really good. It's a classic. From San Quentin. Um, yeah, that's one. Uh, and that's just, I just love that image of Dell just sitting there, playing it, chuckling to himself, while Rodney's probably, like, shaking back and forth in his bedroom. I mean, what was he expecting to happen? Yeah, so it's all a bit in bad taste, really. But makes for quite a good comedy script, so eh, what can you do? <laughs> so when, when we're in the flat, Dell walks in and, and Dell is now looking his fair share of terrible. He's got very messy hair, looking super tired and, again, just uh, been made up to look like he's been out all night, as he has been looking for Rodney. So Yeah, did a good job there as well. Yeah, really, really can see that he's just properly stressed out as well. I was kind of thinking this sheds a bit of light on the differences from now and, you know, circa 30 years ago. Um, I actually just randomly had a friend, um, or an acquaintance, should I say, who recently, through a problem, went off and and decided to have a little bit of alone time to sort something out. And... uh, The thing is that they're contactable. They have their phone, they have their smartphone. People can ignore them, but you you know you still got a way to contact someone. Thirty years ago, if someone's gone, they're gone. Like if they don't want to speak to you, there's no way you can get a message to mm. them. It's it's proper scary to think about it. Really, like even when we were, I don't know how young, how old were when we had pages? We had pages at like yeah, fourteen we did. or something like that. Oh, we're young, much younger than that. I think we got pages at like nine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got my first phone at about twelve. Yeah, maybe. I mean, our our dad was in sort of a bit of a a digital sector, as it were. So we had sort of computers and phones and pages and so on. Yeah, I remember we got a couple of che- very cheap, very basic pages. Like when pages kind of first came out, and businessmen had them. He had a couple of cheap ones he got from work that just they wrote they were numbers only, but they could like send us a page that was like. Nine 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 is an emergency. Come home, or like one two three four is dinner's ready. Come home, ideally soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, we were so cool with our pages. <laughs> can you pick? Can you um, can you remember the pager? I yeah, can... little blue clear thing. Yes, I still remember that as well. Yeah, it's funny the things that stick in your in your memory. But uh, but not even as much as a pager for Rodney. Rodney is properly AWOL, um, nowhere to be seen until Grandad. Well, they're talking about the fact that there's been a horrible smell around, and and Grandad seems to think that it's coming from the ventilation. And there's a big penny drop as Dell just suddenly realizes what the smell is, and of course where Rodney's going to be. For strange smells in ventilations do uh, circle buildings quite quickly. I can attest to this as we recently had a, um, well, what we what we thought was a fire at work. Uh, we were all uh, downstairs and the fire alarm went off, which happens occasionally at our work with like steam and stuff going off. Um, and someone was just like, oh yeah, go upstairs, turn the alarm off, sort it out. And then someone comes running downstairs going, actually no, it stinks of smoke and there's smoke everywhere upstairs. I was like, all right, shit. So we were going to leave and I think four fire trucks turn up and it was a whole big hullabaloo and we were out of work for a couple of hours. But what had happened was um, something in the ventilation system 
uh, like a, a rubber band had kind of seized and it was just spinning and spinning and spinning and started to smoke and it was nothing had actually caught fire it was just this spinning rubber and so the whole place there was smoke and the whole place stank of like on fire rubber but there wasn't actually any fire but the the entire top floor was just covered in smoke just because it happened in the ventilation room crazy yeah it was really weird it's a couple of weeks ago now yeah, I remember you telling me at the time, but I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I don't think you told me that it was the rubber um, that caused that. Yeah, no, it was very random. So yeah, d- if you want to hide smells, then ventilation room is a very bad place to be. <laughs> Everyone's going to find that out. <laughs> um, so we cut away, and we are coming into what they call the tank room. Um, Dell's come armed with some scotch and chicken legs. Well done. And. <laughs> That's what yeah, I'd yeah, want yeah, after two bad, days of being on the run. Yeah, yeah, and especially like if you come and wave on your white flag, you should at least have one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Um and I think probably one of the funniest moments in the episode is when Rodney knocks over a tin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is an absolutely wicked moment. Yeah, a really nice little meow there from uh Rodney and <laughs> They'll saying, oh, I can get you a saucer of milk. That's a good answer. Rod, after a bit of to and fro, Rodney kind of peers around the side and he, he looks horrid, even worse than he did before. Just proper dishevelled. The bags are bigger and he's just looking proper down on his luck. Yeah, I, was a, I, I struggled a little bit throughout this whole scene to figure out how long he'd been there. Um, I'm thinking maybe a day or two? Yeah, I think, I think just a day. Yeah, it's just a day, right? Yeah, because he finds out that night, because Grandad calls him that night to say he's gone, Dell's been out all night to go and check him out uh, to try and find him, and then that morning he's gone up to up there, so it's probably Not only even been 12 hours. Right. No. This, this whole thing, again, is just so classic Rodney. He talks about, you know, men on the run, people like us. He's like, you locked yourself in a storage room in your apartment block for 24 hours. Like, Come on, mate. You're hardly a mobster boss here. Yeah, I think he's overselling that part. However, I, I do think that in that situation, with nothing but your own thoughts for 8, 10, 12 hours, you probably are going to be feeling uh, pretty messed up. So I completely understand the fact that he looks terrible and his his uh, psychological place is pretty terrible, but probably doesn't need to refer to himself in the same sentences as you know, kingpins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, sure, he hasn't got, like, Snake on a phone to play or anything like that, so I get it, he's gone a bit crazy. But uh, I, I think he's really... Uh, we need to reel himself in here. It's It's been less than a day. Yeah, they'll, they'll ask him what's he's pl- what is he playing at, and Rodney is, Rodney is pretty serious, and, you know, he, he said he's starving because he forgot his tin opener. He's obviously Classic. not been watching the old uh, life hack YouTube videos that could have told him the way to open that without a... Tinopan, are you going to tell me you don't know those now? Uh, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know what a life hack video is? No, I know what a life hack video is, you joker, but I'm saying I don't, right. I'm not aware of the one that shows you how to open a tin without a tin opener or a knife or anything. Oh, there's a few different things that you can do, but one of the ones that I used not so long ago, funny enough, um, you need something quite abrasive, which might be hard to find in there, but right. anything sort of rough, like a stone or concrete concrete would work fine you could probably find concrete there and you just rub the tin as hard as you can on the top because it 
it's a very thin sheet of metal so once you've rubbed it for long enough it will just start to break away and then you can pull the top off you understand the premise like on, on, yeah if you do it on I, yeah because I we, we can beer I know a lot about how uh, can seams work I guess you, you mean like <laughs> on the side of the actual seam then it would then it would fall away otherwise you'd just be putting a hole in it but yeah I see if you actually did it if you rubbed the side because no, a, a can is obviously different from a beer can it's just a, just a top so you've got it upended mm. so it's bottom down or yeah, yeah, top yeah. down and you just rub, rub that and then the the You'll break away the little um, the 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 thin sheet of metal there. You can obviously use other things, anything sharp and another rock. You can bash holes in it, but yeah, that's I one mean, of the that, more acceptable ones. That's a fairly obvious caveman way to go. But yeah, wonder how long it would take me scraping a tin of beans against granite before I could actually get in there. Not sure that's an experiment. Well, not too long. To. I did it in about less than five minutes, probably when Why I was did you do uh, this when the I was camping day? last year. Oh, you were camping? I was camping. Oh. And, and, you uh, forgot a tin had owner. bought, yeah. <laughs> I had bought a t- what did I have? I can't remember what it was. It was a tin of like kidney beans. I was making a chili or something. And I was like, oh, shite, haven't got a tin opener. And I had a pen knife on me, but it's a little dinky one and it doesn't have a can opener on there. Uh. And I was like, all right, well, I was kind of a hold my beer moment. And I was like, oh, watch this. And, uh, impressed everyone. Fair play. I'd be impressed. I can live rough. Yeah. Well, there you go. I've given everyone a little thing to it, just in case. It's probably quite relevant right now as well. If you <laughs> yeah, are at home, say, this could be crucial life-saving advice we're giving right now. <laughs> this is your coronavirus uh, survival kit podcast. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but he hasn't eaten in however long it's been—twelve hours. So he starts munching away on uh, on a chicken leg and. Um, Dell says it's what does he say? It's like uh, coming clean time or something like that. Yeah, he basically just owns up to everything, comes clean, confesses. Yeah, and, and Rodney isn't too impressed, and he he isn't believing him at first. He starts quizzing him about all the stuff that he's talking about, and Dell explains that the police were there because of the mods and skins were having a fight. No, I don't believe you, Dell. You're just trying to get me to come quietly. No, I'm not. No, I'm, look, go on, go on, look out, look out there, look, go on. Now, you see the kebab house? No. Exactly, it ain't there no more. <laughs> what further proof do you need? <laughs> um, and Rodney quickly realises that, you know, he's been done up like a kipper. Yeah, I, I mean, his reaction is fair, I think, at this point, where he goes, I'm going to kill you. I think it's probably a fairly fair reaction, although he's not been up there that long. He's lost a day. What else was he going to do with that day? I mean, come on, Rodney. Um, it, it's not like he's been up there a year, is it? <laughs> no, but psychologically, still, you've gone to places that none of us really want to go. You, I mean, it's bad enough that you've woken up in the morning and gone had that psychological place. Let alone, essentially, Dell has made it ten times worse than it ever needed to be. <laughs> so I can cut. You got to sympathise. You just got to be hating your life. I'd certainly be hating Rodney's life, but that'd be for a multitude of reasons. Um, but yeah. You know, eventually Dell uh, wants to bury the hatchet and he suggests taking him out for a slap-up meal. Very nice idea. Rodney manages to talk it up to a suit. Also eventually talks it up to a pair of shoes as well. He's really milking it now. I like it. Skills from Rodney. And, uh, yeah, he's ready to to make amends and move on and realise that, yeah, this is a bit of an insane situation he's found himself in. 
There's a good quote just before that when Rodney says, oh, I wondered why you went out so late when he'd gone mm. out looking for him. And uh, Del says, why, why didn't you say anything? And they've got another little uh, good bit of vocalisation from Rodney. I've been in more doss houses than a tramp's vest. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going so late that night, eh? I saw you drive off. You saw me? Why do you say something? Dale, I'm a desperate man on the run. I can hardly lean out and go, Ooh, Dale! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Dale! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, just like, I, just, I just like that as well. It's <laughs> just a really uh, sudden cut to something unserious. Yeah, I really like that because it, so, it did really come out of nowhere and it was so unexpected. It's really, really well done the way he just sort of throws it in there and moves back again. But after the the whole suit and uh, the meal and the rhythm and blues, um, Rodney's played played it pretty well for 24 hours of hardship. He's managed to get himself a bit of a new wardrobe and a nice slap up meal, wine included. Fair play. And they they cheers to it all being in the past. And um, Dale says that he needs to have a shower. And the the end punchline is that Rodney says he doesn't fancy a shower and standing in the water after what he's been doing in it. Oh, no, and the punchline is Dale's drinking scotch with water in it and spits yeah, it all yeah. out. That's, that's the punchline. That's the punchline, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I probably wouldn't be that fussed, to be honest. That There must be hundreds and hundreds of gallons of water in that flat servicing everybody. Even if Rodney had pissed in it five times, it would be so diluted that you just wouldn't even register. If you'd chat in it once, though, you'd really know about it. <laughs> Drinking his shat in it. Um, well, I'd like to hope not. I mean, he's not eaten, and he's only been up there twelve hours, so you're probably all right. But I know what you mean about there, the piss. Isn't, there, isn't, isn't right. there fecal matter in it? Isn't there fecal matter in everything anyway? Like, no. <laughs> Ideally, not. Yeah. I didn't. What? What's the thing? Is that they? The scientists were testing, like, oh, desks on people's work desks and stuff. Because yeah, people are disgusting and they don't wash their hands after they've been to the toilet, which is why epidemics happen and they have to be reminded that washing their hands is a thing. Like, Why are you washing <laughs> your hands already, you jokers? Wash your hands. But I mean, <laughs> but all the water is recycled and treated anyway, so there must be remnants of stuff. Mm, not, of, not of shit, because that is basically. <laughs> I, I think I saw something recently which was like. Uh, Something ridiculous, like eight out of ten um, sort of small illnesses or whatever can be rooted back to fecal matter. Like that is the thing that's getting people sick all the time because people just go around shitting everywhere and then not washing properly. But it, let, let's just, let's let's move on from that deeply pleasant subject. He's probably pissed in <laughs> it, and in which case it's you know not ideal, but not the most harmful thing in the world and quite amusing. Um, and uh, it's unlikely that he has tried to kill the entire building. But he's the one who's driving me berserk. Why do only fools and horses work? Well, la 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 la, la 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 la. So that's it. That's uh, wanted. What did you think about it, Bob? Yeah, it was. It was pretty good. It was. It was kind of fun. Uh, no one really came out of it looking like roses, but then they rarely do. Um, 
I don't. I didn't love it. It wasn't right up there, but it was definitely. I did laugh out loud on many occasions, and I definitely enjoyed it. But I, although it's a very memorable episode, I think it's not one that I would kind of be putting anywhere near like a top ten list or anything like that. I just thought it was. It was a good solid episode. Yeah, it's one of those. Well, they're they're all memorable, but um, it definitely had some pretty memorable scenes, what with Blossom and everything going on, and it's definitely Dell at his one of his more windy uppy moments but I probably struggled to write some really good and or funny or interesting notes it was a good episode but you know next to something like last week's May the Force Be With You and and I think uh, next week's episode which is uh, Who's a Pretty Boy it's, it's sandwiched in between those two it, it probably was was not not quite in the same league really no, I tell you one thing I did find interesting. So when I was googling about the episode, I saw that it was it was mentioned in Beckham in Peckham, which is the uh, 2014 sports relief short that uh, Only Fools and Horses did for um, yeah for sports relief, and and David Beckham was in it. And it's so I, I watched it uh, at least a little clip of it, and Dell brings up three times where he was you know quite mean to Rodney. And interestingly, one this was one of the three in that thing, and that was like a you know a huge, a huge short that they did. That it was the first time that they'd done the characters in five years. They've not done them at all since. So it was a really big deal. And I was interested. It was very interesting and surprising that this episode would be one of the three that would get mentioned. Like he literally says, "Yeah," and the peck and pouncer thing. Um, so it's funny because I wouldn't put it up there as one of the most memorable, but. Uh, I guess that scene with Blossom is very dramatic, and so uh, I do think it is a thing that sticks in your mind. Yeah, there's some pretty interesting emotions going on there. I think so. Um, so definitely does stick in the memory. Although the episode isn't, you know, up there with the top ones, it's got some some really interesting concepts there for sure. Uh, so he's a pretty boy next week. Um, definitely going to be a brilliant episode. This is probably gonna be up there in the top few episodes of the of the first three three series we're obviously getting close to the end of series three now so we've only got one uh episode after that um which is a christmas special so looking down the uh sights of ending season three plowing through them coming to the end of the granddad era already it is unbelievable but i i'm gonna Really enjoy these. I think there's a decent amount of Grandad in these next couple of episodes as well, which is nice. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I think both the next two episodes are really Grandad heavy. Mm. Um, I think he's pretty much in the whole thing. So it's great. We'll be definitely celebrating Leonard Pierce over the next two episodes. Definitely. All right, okay. Comes the moment. Four for four. Any music inspirations today? Oh, it's got to be Johnny Cash, hasn't it? It has got to be Johnny Cash. Get in. We are going for Johnny Cash, and co- coincidentally, the album mentioned, which is live at San Quentin, has a track on it called "Wanted Man." Does it? Interesting. Yes, so I did not. I thought I um, knew that album fairly well, but I don't remember that song at all. I think I know the song, but I, I, um, but it's been a long time since I heard it. If I do, so I'm looking forward to uh, having that playing on. Nice, good shout. All right, well, join you all for uh, Who's a Pretty Boy next week. Stay safe, stay indoors, and and look after yourselves and your family and your community, and uh, we'll be 
here week on week throughout all this pandemic. Yeah, none of this affects us. We uh, we record in different countries in different solo bedrooms, so there is there is no obstacles for us. So we'll be keep on plowing through, and we're hoping we can uh, provide you with some some light relief. Take care, everyone. Right. Cheers, Jay. Take care. Cheers, there, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Don't know why I'm waving. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook forward slash Only Fools Brothers or on Twitter, we're at Only Fools Bros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at onlyfoolsbrothers at gmail.com. Also, really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye. I got sidetracked in El Paso. Stopped to get myself a map. Went the wrong way into Juarez with one need on my lap. Then I went to, then I went to sleep in Shreveport.